Welcome to the Beat Around the Brush podcast. My name is Matt. I'm your host. With me on the inaugural episode of the podcast, my first ever guest, Tyler Purvis, former community development director for the city of Brush. Tyler and I tend to have conversations that sometimes focus on the spiritual and sometimes focus on the grandiose, sometimes focus on the funny, but at the end of the day, we focus on friendship. Uh, I'm happy to call Tyler a friend, and I'm sad to see him go, but I'm happy that he was able to come hang out at my little house studio and talk to me for a little bit before he took off. So I wanted to share the conversation with everybody and uh, share the podcast. Tyler Purvis. I wrote an introduction about you, Tyler. Okay. Okay, you ready for this? With me today for the first ever episode of the Beat Around the Brush podcast is, by the time this podcast actually airs, the former community development director at the City of Brush, Tyler Purvis. Tyler Purvis! Oh, clap for myself, I suppose. Um, Tyler is a man of God, first and foremost, but in a near imperceptible second. He's a man of family. I've come to know Tyler as someone who uses his faith like a superpower, propelling himself and his family to overcome challenges to create a more positive world. His dedication to community, in my opinion, second to none, and once referred to in front of me as the brain trust of the city of Brush, he is someone that I had the privilege of calling a colleague and now the honor of calling a friend. Tyler, thank you so much for being on my show. Thank you, Matt. Pleasure to be here. And that is quite the intro. Uh, you put a lot of thought into that. I sure did, man. I. I would say my time here in Brush has been really amazing, valuable, all those fun words that you want to throw out, right? But I feel like I've made a really close connection with you, Tyler. I agree. It warms my heart to hear you say what you just read, and uh, that I know you're genuine about it. Thanks, man. All right, let's get away from the mushy crap. All right. <laughs> no, okay, so I'm just jumping right in. We're going we're gonna to talk about questions. We're going to talk about answers. We're going to talk about everything. And I know for the people who aren't familiar with Tyler and I, um, our conversations have a tendency to meander quickly around. And so we'll try and stay on topic, but uh, good luck. So first and foremost, you're leaving us. I am. I have two more days after today, officially full-time with the city of Brush. After seven and a half years, I'm going to be on roughly one day a week for the next month and a half or so during the transition time uh, to give brush some room for projects to keep moving forward while they hire someone else on. Moving down to Pueblo West, our family made a decision back in September to head back that direction. We're from Colorado Springs, so our plan is to live on the south side of town. I got a position with Pueblo West as the economic development specialist, and I start Tuesday. I, I don't feel like I've asked you this outright, but like, why? Why are you leaving? That's a big question. I thought about that up until that decision and countless times after because people ask us that and I want to and I want to make it as concise as possible because it's a seven and a half year answer uh, compiled into 30 seconds and so a lot of it really is, is directly tied to the whole reason we came out here in the first place which was not to work at the city of Brush but to start a, a new church over in Fort Morgan and so with and we always plan on not being here forever anyway so we knew it was a matter of time we just didn't know when and we just kind of sensed Everything being what it is, it was a good time for us to move on. And we sensed that where we were from and everything that we're tied to in the Springs area would be a good next step for us. So I got a chance to go check out your church. I, I mean, on the last day, it was so awkward showing up on the last day. I felt like a, like a big fish out of water. But we're glad you came. I'm, well, I was glad I came as well. But I, I, I was looking at some of the faces and just the impact you made on these people's lives, man. Like, there was a woman in front of me. Not not like teary eyed, but what I would I can't believe I'm saying this, but like weeping. You were because you're leaving. Yeah, I don't know if, if that was tied to us though. It was Are more. You sure? I believe it was more. And I've been in church a long time. That's why I say this. That just the 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 influence, the work of God in someone's heart, and just speaking to issues, struggles, yeah. concerns, that kind of thing on a real personal level can bring that out of people. Oh, so it wasn't you then? As far as I know, <laughs> it, it could have been. It could have been. I don't know. I'm not looking for that, so I'm not going to hunt her down and say, were you crying because we're leaving? That's, That's very true. You should have asked her. I wonder what she would have said. 
I wouldn't know now just because I was watching it and I'm so far removed from it that I, I just am seeing the reactions sure, instead exactly. of seeing the years. You know what I mean? So I, I'm seeing these people who you've built a rapport with just right. just emotionally distraught at this change in their life. And I'm thinking, man, this guy, he got in there and really, really, I don't want to say got to him like you got to him or something sure, like that. Sure. But it's it's the the words you were speaking, the passion you put into what you were saying clearly struck a nerve in some people in a really positive way. I thought that was really cool. Right on. I, I sort of wish I would have seen it more often, but I can't imagine everybody was crying at every single sermon unless you were really boring. No, no, not at all. We saw a variety of, of things through the years, no doubt. Uh, people, our, our pastor used to say people either get mad or get glad. Sometimes they have to get mad in order to be glad. And so when you're speaking about those, those deeper things going on inside people's minds and lives and souls, it's, it's bound to draw out different types of reactions from people. Yeah. Well, and I was thinking about this more after the fact, and I think we only talked about it once previously, but uh, were you a bit disappointed that no one wanted to take it over? Or was that in the cards? Or what, what's your perspective? Yeah, absolutely. Because when we made the decision to go, our hope was always that the work that we did, you hate to see any work that you do be in vain, so to speak. For and sure. And so... Um, on a superficial level for that work not to carry on as we were doing it would seem to be troublesome in that sense. Um, that that uh, or Not troublesome, but more disappointing that it's not going to continue on. But then, um, so there's an element of that. I do, we just have to swallow down as a reality. But we also know that the impact and the work that we did do will no doubt live on in people's lives for the rest of their lives. And then how it impacted them in a positive way will in turn impact their life and those around them, uh, kind of the ripple effect. So in eternity, uh, it's all going to be unfolded, the impact of our lives anyway. Well, yeah, so the the point that I, I was most interested in there was the idea that the, the church, so to speak, never dies in that regard, is the, the lessons instilled from the individual like you to them can live for a lifetime, and it sounds like possibly, in your opinion, eternity. Absolutely. I mean, the Church of Jesus Christ established 2,000 years ago yeah. still exists all over the world today through billions of people, which is remarkable. Yeah. And it's taken all, a variety of different shapes, gone through countless uh, fires of persecution, trials, struggles on, on macro and micro levels. And so it will continue to go on forever and ever. And so it's a good reminder that it doesn't re revolve around me. I'm just a, a small cog in the whole scheme of, of God's work with his church and this globe uh, through the course of the ages. And so... Yeah. Well, and I imagine, too, and see, people don't know that we talk about this stuff all the time, so it's just coming out. But, hey, guess what? We probably talked about this again, um, is you'll get involved in churches. Um, I don't know if it'll be leadership or whatever, but in Colorado Springs and, or Pueblo or whichever city. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we've already been involved. discussing with the church down there on, on ways in which we can serve. Sean and I are excited to get down there for that purpose. It's, yeah. it's in us to want to interact with people and the things that God has shown us, worked in us. It's not for our own benefit as well but for those around us. Yeah. So we don't want to be a reservoir, but a channel. Ooh. What gets put in us can then be passed on to others. That was deep. Like a deep channel. Exactly. Right. They can't all be gold. Um, we actually, I, we jump, of course we jump right into faith. And I, I, I had one more thing before we get too far into that. All right, go I know for it. That's going to be like the majority of what we talk about, I imagine. Sure. But um, I, I wanted to talk, before you came to the City of Brush, did you have any preconceived notions about what it was going to be like to live on the plains? And then to connect with that, what are some of your favorite memories or favorite unexpected turns of events that you just sure. never would have called? So preconceived ideas when we made the decision to move out here, Sean and I have never lived in rural communities before. Always big city. Me neither. And so I remember distinctly in the interview for the city, there was a group of people interviewing me, a panel interview, and they were asking me, I don't remember the exact question, but something about what our thoughts were about living here long term and uh, if we saw opportunities and, and how we're readjusting from big to small. And me responding in the course of other things, saying that my idea coming out here before we came out here was simply that I thought people in a small town were simply sitting on their porch waiting to die. <laughs> So where that and, came from, I... <laughs> and so you found that to be true, obviously. <laughs> right, right. Correct. I'm looking across the street for that person rocking. So, uh, so that was so that was funny. one misconception that I had, but I, sure. but we came to realize really quick on this scale of a community it was neat to see how much uh, involvement it does require from community members to make a community function. Absolutely. All these different pieces having to work, 
And so, uh, so that was that was a big learning point. And of course, local government. I'd actually never worked in local government prior to this position as well, just on the private sector of things. And so, coming in and looking at that whole process and still learning, but seven and a half years later, looking back, thinking, "Boy, I've come a long way in understanding not just the uh, aspects of government, but the aspects of our uh, character and our." personality as a community here in brush so what's a favorite what what's a favorite oh, memory memory that you got from and it could be fort morgan too because i know you live there uh, but Correct. fort morgan brush just morgan county in general uh, i mean they could be as broadly as all the variety of events community events we've been to through the years and our kids are going to be a part of that because we go back to colorado springs and interact with our family we talk about some of the things that we have done yeah and they all seem to be uh maybe not impressed but but somewhat blown away i suppose about the kinds of things that are in a small community and how simple they are, but how valuable you, that can be. Uh, one of the stands out that we went to just one time was the old antique tractor show off Highway 34. <laughs> okay, that's cool. And that's probably, I don't know, five years ago maybe we went to that. And just a real simple setup. And like I mentioned before, we're not farm folks, but all this old farming equipment, talking about the process of doing this, that, and the other. And it was a lot of fun. We were there for, for two or three hours or so. It was a free event from what I remember. Um, or maybe cost a couple bucks. I don't know, but the, but the kids got something out of it. It was simple. It exposes them to the reality of this kind of the backbone of our country, sort of thing with agricultural, and that's one piece I definitely will I hope carry the rest of my life. But certainly taking back right now is how valuable the lifestyle out here is to the overall health of our society. I couldn't agree more. After living in L.A. for for a few years, that. I don't want to say urban living is unnatural. I mean, anything that's not chilling under a tree, eating figs or whatever is unnatural. But I, I, it's so odd to transition from the hustle and bustle of a large metropolitan area and then to come to what I think everybody assumes is just super laid back and everybody's relaxed. But it seems to be in our experience that there's a lot of work happening out here and a yeah. lot of stuff happening constantly in these smaller communities. And it's usually on a smaller set of people to get it done. Yeah, well said. And Sean and I noted that really quick early on. Um, we said multiple times, man, people work hard out here. Yeah. I think because wages are lower, so they have to they have to accommodate for what they lack in working harder, whether it's two jobs or just hustling their butt and have extra ways to make money or just, like you said, picking up the slack elsewhere. You and I became friends, what I would consider to be over debate. Is that a fair, is that a fair comment or would you, would you say it differently? I haven't given it any thought before. We became friends. Of course, I remember when you first came out here for your interview and driving you around town and thinking, boy, this guy uh, has a lot of exuberance. We Either he just speaks really well and connects to everybody or we have some kind of special connection. Regardless, it uh, unfolded shortly thereafter because as soon as you came on, we struck up conversation. And if I remember right, actually, it was right before or after a council meeting that you came back into my office and there was some specific phrase that we were talking about. I don't remember what it was, but, but, but it was just over this one word. And we, we just started from there going back and forth. And it opened up the deep floodwaters of... Uh, the irony of that? The That's irony hilarious. of that. I told you I talk with my hands. But the beauty is that it's just water. For those who obviously can't see what just happened, Tyler, heard it. Tyler spilt a huge cup of water. I opened my, my arms up wide like I was going to yeah. give Matt a hug and knocked over the I water. I was just more concerned about the outlet, but you didn't hit it, so... All it's right. just water, dude. Yeah, it's no big deal. But now I got nothing to drink in case I get. You want me to here? I could pour some of mine in. Uh, I'll pour some. <laughs> I got I got a smidgen left. We could pause it. I can go get you more if we need to. We'll go that. Okay, way. fair enough. This is all. Everything's editable, man. We can make this sound amazing. I I could make that a ringtone if you'd like. I don't remember the phrase that you're talking about. I don't remember either. It must have been really pedantic. Uh, if if we ended up not even remembering what we talked about for yeah. probably like an hour. That's all right. But it's just the act of discussion, I think, sometimes is... is well, I remember good. early on, you and I talked about... Uh, well, you and I both kind of dove head, head into sharing our thoughts and ideas and us sh sharing the expression that we're talking about things that matter, whereas so much of the discussion that goes on is superficial things. Yeah. You know, not that it's bad, but of course, you know, the weather and food and just things that are real trivial as opposed to the mysteries of the universe and the depths of, of human conditions and thoughts and the struggles that people have that a lot of times they don't open up about, they don't explore the way they ought to. Absolutely. And so it, it kind of limits people. It's hard to do in a professional sense, you know? Absolutely, especially in our culture when they, maybe it's always been this way, but it seems like they, they try to mitigate that because those are touchy things, you know? They don't talk about politics or religions. Right. 
if you want to make people happy, where those are the things, especially religion, of course, that I think is important to talk about because that makes up who you are. And so being able to challenge people and be challenged and just go a little bit further in what you think. It's it's okay to be wrong, but it's I think it's worse to believe you're right and never really want to explore that and just kind of hope that what you believe because it makes you feel good because you there's a security blanket. Yeah, like just be satisfied with what you know now and not look out in terms of uh, uh, expanding your knowledge and expanding your your belief system. It doesn't have to be a radical shift, I would say, but it certainly could be a better understanding outside of your scope. And isn't that, it's something that I think about, honestly, when I was younger and uh, the, the, I guess the analogy that comes to mind for me is video games. <laughs> Sometimes I, I think I felt, and I imagine other people have felt like this, as a, an NPC or a non-player character. You were just sort of programmed and you go out and you do what you do and you come home and you do that and then you go to bed, rinse, wash, repeat. And I mean, it's maybe it's no coincidence that we have an obesity and depression epidemic in the United States when that's sure. that's the definition of your life. And, and it really does sadden people. You know, you see this a lot of times with millennials. They'll, they'll see the, the idea that they're going to have to work for 50 years and retire. And that's just it. Like, that's that's life. But you don't want to tell them, like, well, you're alive. That's isn't that pretty amazing. And, and because they haven't critically considered that perspective, like I get to be in this amazing reality. It may not always be, you know. Sunshine and rainbows, times may be tough, but you're still here. I think there's something pretty powerful about that. And then the desire to be here longer and learn and be better, it, it's like, a, I think, a natural progression. Once you realize you're here and it's, it's this, then you could start really branching out to those critical ideas. Uh, but I think it's that realization that it's, it's just one life, one interaction, and that's all you get. Yeah, I agree. I can't remember who, who said the quote, but they said there's two great dates in every person's life, the day they were born and then the day they find out why they were born. Yeah. Oh, dude, I couldn't agree with that more. It's I was just thinking the same thing along the lines like, what do you what, what gets you out of bed? You know, what what motivates you? And it could be mundane or ridiculous I, I, as long as it's passion, you know? Sure. Sure. And as a Christian, of course, I believe we're created here by God and kind of for the glory of God. And until we come back to that place, I think we lack of lack that peace in our lives kind of the, uh, the old Christian analogy where there's a hole-shaped heart in your, uh, a God-shaped heart, <laughs> a God-shaped <laughs> hole in your heart. Take three. That only God can fill. And, uh, and I was looking at my phone right here. I, I sent out a quote the other day from Augustine that said something along those lines, but it's going to take me too long to pull it up. Um, I think there's a lot of reality in that. Wait uh, a second. Augustine was the one who cried for like a whole book about stealing an apple? I don't know. Okay. I took a, a philosophy of religion course in undergrad, and one of the philosophers obviously was Augustine, and I can't remember the name of the book. The, 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 the three people who will listen to this podcast maybe will know. Um, three, you got high hopes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just, I, you know, got to shoot for the stars. Uh, but I, I could have swore I remember a section where he just was like profusely sorry about stealing, and it wasn't like he stole a car. It wasn't like he stole money. He stole like an apple. And I understand that it's still stealing, but right. come on now. Well, I remember as a kid, my brother and I at Kmart or something like that, and there was an open package of football cards, baseball cards. I don't know what they were, but it was someone else had opened it, and apparently they didn't want to steal it. Their conscience got to them, and they got busted, and they put it down, whatever it may be. Sure. But we saw that there, and I remember, if I remember right, I hope I'm not exaggerating this or taking something that didn't happen, but from what I remember taking out the cards and as I took out a card knowing in my mind I'm going to take this because I want it that I began to be very very nervous that this is wrong kind of like your conscience crying out against you sure and I think I went out to the car because my mom was shopping and, and it was I think in the evening and we were old enough to be self-sufficient walking out to the car sitting there feeling so guilty about it going back inside after a short amount of time and putting it back and feeling relief in my conscience so Tyler Purvis Augustine the second is what we're we're hearing this story now. What 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 was it the card? Was it the act of stealing? Was it the I mean obviously how could Target possibly survive if you steal a single baseball card? Sure, so. I didn't, that wasn't a thought in my mind. Can they afford this? It was the fact that this does not belong to me. It's wrong for me to take it because it does not belong to me, and I'm doing it in a deceitful, sneaky way, and it's not right. Didn't you ever learn finders keepers? Like I thought that was a kid's thing. That's funny. Here's a quote, by the way. It's, it's kind of past tense now since our conversation has moved on. But St. Augustine, thou hast made us for thyself, and the heart of man is restless until it finds 
its rest in thee. Ooh, Augustine. Augustine of Hippo. Hippo. Hippopotamus. Right. <laughs> Mitch Hedberg has a great joke about hippopotam. My? Hippopotamuses? Is that the joke? I don't know. <laughs> I, I was asking. I don't know what the plural form of it. You can say there's a lot of stuff like, like moose. Moose. Yeah, well, Brian Regan has a joke. Moosin. Or, uh, okay. Yeah. I think I've heard that. Oh, man. All right. Well, we're going to slowly shift. I mean, a slowly shift as if we weren't already in third gear talking about faith in God with the St. Augustine quote leading the way. Um, I, I've always been curious to hear an opinion from someone who has ran a church on whether or not churches should be taxed. Oh, no, they should not. They should not. I just say, ooh, because I've never been directly asked that question. I've thought about it before. Yeah. Because it's coming up more and more in politics, people who don't like what the church has done and think they're taking advantage of their status as nonprofit and uh, backing candidates and that sort of thing. And there's, the discussion goes on and on. I think because of the benefit that churches bring to a community and therefore ultimately to the world, um, it's a tremendous benefit. And if you ever, well, I can't say that generally speaking, but it would appear to me that every time I see someone cry out that churches should be taxed, it's usually on the back of pointing out where someone misused funds, took advantage of this situation and that. So I don't think you can throw the baby out with the bathwater. I just want more money. And so look at the tax base that churches could provide. And I understand the logic why we don't is freedom of religion. But could the logic be applied backwards? Like if all churches are not taxed, then the only way to make it fair is that all churches are taxed. Would that would that satisfy? Well, it, it would limit what churches are able to do if you were to tax them, because most churches are, are on a shoestring budget already to make happen what they can. The administration of running a church, I know this isn't the fun stuff necessarily, but I, I feel like I know a lot about that after talking to you. I don't know anything about the back end. Like, it's is it pretty difficult to get people on task? Is it, especially volunteers and all well, that? Well, that's what I was about to say. So all these great organizations that run in the world with employees and everything like that, imagine doing that with no payroll. Yeah. <laughs> with... Uh, I mean, just just taking all that that aspect. People show up at work Monday morning because they get a check, they need it, so there's buy-in there. So at a church, people are just buying into a vision, like they like what you're doing, and and it's it's 100% on them whether or not they want to come. Of course, a job is like that too, but but uh, it's challenging. It's very challenging because not only are you running on volunteers, so to speak, and and people can get excited. People will will back a vision, and they're willing to put their time, their money into something that they believe in. Um, but it's more than just getting them to show up. It's there. It's also getting them to give up their evenings and their weekends to do these other things and get no reward here and now, so to speak. I'm not going to give them a paycheck. And we believe that God opens doors, God blesses, God makes a way as people serve his kingdom, but it can certainly be challenging. And then people, um, so there's that side of it, but also the side that you're also addressing and speaking to what the Bible says about humanity. And so you're dealing with the struggles people have in their lives. And, and a lot of times people will harbor things, sin, in their life that they don't want any light to shine in. They would just want to keep it. They've accommodated that in their life. And so as a minister of God's word, as God puts things on your heart, is that you're preaching and teaching about those things and they step on people's toes. And people are very offended, as we know, in this generation so easily. And so you got people... No people bouncing around from church to church and, and you want to do something great for the glory of God. But then people are stuck on don't offend me and do it my way. And the Bible speaks about that in the last days, among other things that it lists. It says people will have itching ears and they'll heap up for themselves teachers who are in a sense going to scratch those itches that they have. So another way to say that is preacher, tell me what I want to hear yeah. and I'll stand with you. And that's never been the man of God's position to, 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 accommodate people's desires oh, but yeah. thus says the lord kind you, of you nailed it you it was like a perfect segue because i was imagining like you these people are donating to you and and you're leading their vision did you ever get the feeling that sometimes and and obviously you don't name names or anything like that but that someone would be like okay here's your money now do this i actually never had that happen okay uh, but i have heard of that happening where people a lot of times it's because they are a generous donor to yes. the church they're yes. faithful tither whatever it may be and so they believe that that somehow gives them more room of influence. And so it can be this, I'll do this for you if, 
And anybody who um, has any sense of not just ethics, but but a fear of God says, this isn't about you. This is about something beyond you and me. Yeah. So humble yourself and take a step back. And I can't imagine how difficult that is to, because I think you're right in saying that, but then you're, you're, you're saying it while also taking their money. And so it's like, you, you have to do it because you, you're in, in your view, you're doing the right thing. You're preaching the word of God. And that that money is not necessarily a control aspect. It's an enhancement for the church to continue doing that very thing. Oh, absolutely. And it's it's a it's in my view, a vote of confidence in the pastor or preacher title that I don't know. Um, who's focusing in the church to lead that vision. And so I just, I've, I've always thought about that. I never asked you about it before. I was like, man, I wonder if he's ever, not bribed, but you know, someone's like, all right, uh, you'll get that new speaker system if you maybe give me a plaque or give me a shout out or something like that. Get, get big ups to the big man and sure. let him know. You know, like that's, that's always been kind of in the back of my mind. And, and maybe on, on one side of it, knowing that could be a thing, the way that I tried to communicate the, everything was, was, frame it so that that's not really an option like yeah. we don't run like that so don't even try and uh i guess it, t- it ties into the values and the culture that you're trying to establish you just lay it out. i mean dude if my if my pastor would have dressed up like johnny cash i would have been at every single show you had talked many times about the time invested into the church and the late nights on the weekend and, and the busyness and and i mean just the the total involvement of what you do and you made a decision to stop it. What did you fill your time with since then? It's funny you'd ask that because earlier on we were talking about people's lives and, and what they find value in. And so, um, or how they find purpose in life and that sort of thing. And we've always, since I was raised in the church and ministry, excuse me, ministry was just something we were part of growing up. So we're always in, engaged in activities and things that's happening at the church. And yeah. so that's directly tied to working with people. Even if, as a teenager, my mind wasn't, I need to go win people for Christ. But it was still, it was more so, I get to hang out with my friends at church tonight, which right. is going to be fun. So just that setting. But it it, uh, it trained me, so to speak, to have the mentality of, of being involved with church things. And so since we, uh, since we closed down the church... Evenings and Sean and I have talked about this are driving us crazy because we have so little to do. <laughs> We're like, I don't want to watch TV. I, you know, I, I enjoy reading and I read. I've been reading a lot, which which is good, but uh, it's not as productive as we like. Sure. Disney Plus has been a big time filler for <laughs> us at home. Catching up on all the old ones from the nineties. That's funny. 90s. Hey, check out the Mandalorian, my buddy Matt's been talking about. I've watched. A lot. Yeah, actually, the, the family they, they started watching. I've watched two episodes. And cool. Everybody's real big about Baby Yoda right now and how cute he is. I have no idea what's happening. I haven't seen a single episode. So yeah, I look forward to see whatever the heck that means. It's all right. I, I saw two of them. I wasn't that jazzed about it. <laughs> I just it reminded me of you know focusing on school or focusing on music and then sort of transitioning away from that and focusing on different things is you all of a sudden have these like five hours at night that you just have to fill with well, well it's weird because we never had those before yeah i and i remember distinctly having like a few weeks where i had nothing to do for a couple hours and i was like well what do i do this is yeah. weird so now i have it almost every single night for uh, you know four or five hours and it's weird so i look forward to being more productive i believe with Get my busy time because yeah. there's so much you know we got, we all have the same 24 hours. The richest people, the most successful people, they have the same time scale that we do. Yeah. They know how to use it. And uh, and so I want to be productive with the time that I have been given. And, of course, all of us have wasted so much time on frivolous things. What are you talking about? I never wasted a second of my life. What do, what do you mean? I'm sorry. I didn't mean to offend you. I'm thoroughly offended at this conversation. My, my multiple years of Xbox Live time has been very productive. So Silas got Skylanders. Did you really let him get that? I did. You, dude, you're going to be in the hole so quick when you start buying those little action figures. Well, we've, had, we've discussed it. Have fun. It was Christmas money he had gotten, so he could suspend it how he sees fit. So he got that, and so I was playing that with him. And he went through all 18 chapters, which was the whole game, in about three days. He, Sounds about right. Yeah, he, he took it out. <laughs> so now he's got to get more Skyland. That's like right. Like you said, and then go back and unlock the other things. Yes. So. But I got to play with him. So even things like that, I think, are, of course, are valuable. Although it, to the world... They said that's is well, it depends on who you're talking to, of course. But there, is that the best use of your time? I think absolutely. He 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 enjoys playing it. He likes it when I play with it, building that relationship with him. And although it's not gonna uh, change the world for the greater good, more than likely, but it was strengthening our relationship and just having a good time. It could be like it. a butterfly effect thing. 
Silas sees you playing with him, and then all of a sudden he's like, I just want to save the planet. And it could be. it's all because you played Skylanders with him when he was a kid. And, you know, if you didn't, then he's right, like going after rats or whatever in your backyard because you didn't give him enough time <laughs> or something like that. It could be that. It could be that. But that's one of the, the kind of neat things I think about life and as a Christian is that we have this vision to, in a sense, change the world. Yeah. But at the same time, it's things like that that are part of the whole process. Yeah, absolutely. The babies, everybody always says it's small things. We always look at these huge monumental milestones in our lives. You know, look at the little, little escalator that took you there all the way up to that spot. And it took all those little baby steps to build that big old puzzle that got you there. It seems like while we will say the big thing was the most important, sometimes... It was the way you tied your shoes, or it was the tie, or it was the clothes you put on, or it was something as small as the way you looked at somebody, and it changed everything in that course of action. So I think that's just amazing in life in general, the, the, the chaos that turns out. I mean, it's, it's like you, I, you could gauge what your future is going to be based on your present actions, but sometimes the future just goes, nope, curveball, and that's just what you get. I, I love that. The uh, the Christian perspective on that, I think, is really neat, probably for someone who's not raised in that environment. So the Bible speaks about being led by the Spirit of God. Yeah, I've so, never seen that, actually. So, so God having this this view of the globe and all the different activities and, and knowing all the nuances and outcomes of all the different decisions that are going to be made and the directions that they're going to lead and all the possible outcomes based on X, Y, and uh, the, the decisions that are made. And so he knows, he's got his blueprint. And in his mind or his heart, however you want to think about it, he says, this is what I want to accomplish on a large scale with this city, uh, smaller scale with this family, even smaller with this person over the next 24 hours. This is what I want to accomplish. And so he's got that plan. And so being in tune with God to think that if I'm walking in the spirit of God, big and small, if I'm walking to 7-Eleven and it happens that there's someone on the street that I can interact with for a little bit. And, and have the impact there, however small it may be that God wants me to, then move on. We have no idea the impact that would happen, of course. But to have a life that's lived in that realm, and then at the end of your life, looking back, you think, okay, I lived it as God wanted me to. Isn't that what Augustine called a good life? I don't know. I can't remember I mean, exactly what it was. He had a definition for it, and it, was, it sounded very much like that. It would make sense for him to say something yeah. like that. The Bible speaks about God's good, acceptable, and perfect will. And so how it's laid out and uh, as, as much to the degree that we cooperate with God is the degree to which we'll see the fulfillment of what he wants to do in our lives. So I'm getting the sense that you're, you're really into this God stuff. <laughs> I'm thinking about it. <laughs> thinking about it. All right. I promise this time we're done with, we're done with faith for today. Gosh. Uh, no, I love talking about that. I could talk about it forever. But I really, and we, we got about 10 minutes left. I wanted to talk about family. Yes. Who family. am I without my family? Who I'm are a, you without I'm your a, family? I am a lost radical. That's who I am without my family. I remember saying that a while ago that I said without Shauna, I would be like in a cult somewhere, <laughs> some radical cult who's over the top on everything. So, so Shauna tempers me um, in so many different ways. So my wife and I met back in high school. Uh, we knew one another at the end of our junior year, um, not, not closely at all. Our senior year, we had a sculpture class together, first semester. So we walk in, it's me, my buddy Phil, and her, the only ones that, that kind of knew one another. And so we decided to sit next to each other, and we just we just connected. And so I was looking forward to going to class and sit next to her. And so homecoming was coming up, and I remember us sitting next to one another working on, I don't know what project, and without even looking at her, so, you want to go to homecoming? And without looking back, she says... Okay. And we still didn't look at one another. And so the rest is history. We got uh, we dated for three years and three days before we got married in September 21st, 2002. We've been married, got four wonderful kids Annabelle, Audrey, Abigail, and Silas. And I love That's my awesome, family dearly. I've had the privilege of interacting with your family multiple times. And it's like, I've, I'm pretty sure I've said this to your face, like I, the idyllic. American family, nuclear American family is what I imagine it to be. Well, come over sometime when they're yelling at each other. <laughs> I guess I'm not around for Trying to slam that. doors and stuff like that. That's a fair point. Yeah. I, I, I've seen, I guess I've only seen the good. I've seen the, the Instagram, so to speak, the goodness. Right. 
But uh, it's it's something where I, just the demeanor of your children, too. It's really irritating how friendly they are sometimes. Just roll with me on this for a second because you're going to be like, what are you talking about? I'm not bad mouthing your kids, but the whole Mr. Matt thing's got to stop. It's got to stop immediately. Do they all say that or just they silence? all say it Mr. now? Matt. They all say it now. And it makes me feel like I'm 100 years old. So I'm, sign, remember, we talked. It's a sign of respect. I don't care. I want to be Matt. I don't want to be Mr. Matt. I'm Mr. Matt when I'm 50, okay? Anything below that, yeah, just you're Mr. Matt. You're Mr. Gordon. Ugh, yeah. frustrating. I, I, I started calling Silas Mr. Silas now because that's just if. And I bet he took that as a sign of respect. He actually he smiled. He was, he was digging it. Um, but I told him, look, all right, you don't want to be old yet, okay, Silas? You want to stay Silas for as long as you possibly can because the second the Mr. comes in, it's all over. It's all crow's feet. All right, this is a good question, though. What is something you know you screwed up as a parent? Like, you know, 100% you told Silas to go chew on that spicy chicken sandwich or whatever, and his tooth fell out or something crazy. Um, <laughs> no, I couldn't think of anything else. So, Sean, I hate when I tell this story. Um, but Perfect. I'll t- but, I'll, but I'll tell it because it's a real story. And the people have appreciated that I've, I shared it, too, because they're like, okay, I appreciate you sharing that because it shows me that I'm also not a perfect kid. Yeah, yeah. So, Audrey, when she was little, and someday she's going to hear this kind of story, and she doesn't remember because she was just... One, maybe? You dropped her? Is that why she's a little weird? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> Audrey's actually brilliant. I agree. I'm okay. messing around. She might be the smartest of the bunch. Messing around. But oh, anyway. Your kids don't want to hear that. I know. So, but they're, they're not going to listen to this. I promise uh, you Mr. That. Silas is getting a copy. <laughs> <laughs> they might listen to this. They're all smart, but Audrey is, is just real quick. Anyway, so she's one or so, and she was waking up through the night, as little kids do. And when you're a parent and you're tired, you get frustrated. And she came in, or not, I'm sorry, I went into her room. She's still in the crib at the time. Um, and she's standing up crying probably. And what do you want? I want some milk. And so like, all right, sorry. This might have been the second or third time she woke up that night needing, oh needing some affection, touch, whatever kids need anyway. And so I went downstairs, got some milk, a glass of milk. I brought it back up to her. And I'm holding her in my left arm. I'm like, here's your milk. And she's crying. And she won't take the milk. And, I'm, and this is what you want. I, you got me out of bed yes. to come to you to bring you milk. Here it is. <laughs> take it. She wouldn't take it. I got so frustrated. I had the milk and I threw the milk <laughs> in her face. <laughs> and I put her back in her crib. And I was, as soon as I did, I was like, what are you doing? But I was so frustrated. I laid her back down and I walked into the room and laid down. And I think she went to sleep after crying for a little bit. But I was like, oh, that was... That was not a dad moment, at least not a good dad moment. That's this. So obviously she doesn't remember that she was one. I don't think I've ever told her that story. She either. knows now. I might. Well, if she hears. But does she have like a Pavlovian response to milk when you pour it? Is there like a uh, like a twitch or something? <laughs> not that I'm aware of. Interesting. So maybe maybe at her uh, her wedding share reception that. or something, I'll share that. Yeah. That way she doesn't give her any room to hold that against me if we were to. My weird. goodness, the milk. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah but that's right. kind of a typical parental reaction just like just yeah. so so angry at the moment and yeah just frustrated. i can't imagine what it's like to be in that that's like you're you're up all night you're you're barely sleeping you gotta go to work you gotta pay the bills right. and this little monster just won't be quiet so shauna nursed the kids when they were little but when they begin to go on a bottle i could join in on that yeah and so when they wake up i was like hey that's all you i could just go back to sleep no problem but eventually she started giving me the elbow and shaking me and saying, can you? Yes. Oh, now we got to share the duty. So it's good for me, though. <laughs> learn, to, learn to serve your wives and the needs of the family. Hey, I think that's, what do they say? Happy wife, happy life. Correct. Well, the um, truth to that. I, I, I'm curious about this. Uh, do you find that it's a testosterone versus estrogen household? Like the boys v, v girls kind of thing? Or is it? It's all pretty on the same page. It's on the same page. The, the way that we respond to life is very different. And so we have to learn, and this happens over the course of your entire life, learning to understand that that's a different person. They operate op- operate different than you. They're going to respond different than you. Give them room to operate the way that they do. Yeah. And then, of course, they're responsible for doing the same thing for the overall good of the family. Silas gets very frustrated with his sisters because they're he's a little brother, so they're quick to beat up on him, yell at him boss him around and it irritates him. I came home the other night and uh, Shauna said, hey, you need to go talk to Silas. And he's in his room, curled up on his bed. And I think he had his face covered when I walked in. So I'm kind of rubbing his back. Hey, what's going on? So finally he opens up that 
that my sisters get on my nerves or whatever he said. And so I just talked to him about they are girls. You're a boy. They're not going to think the same way. They're not going to respond the same way. Yeah. And but at the same time, you don't always respond. Sometimes you respond the way that they do as well. So you got to keep that in mind. And so just giving him room to express his thoughts, hearing those thoughts, affirming those thoughts, and then redirecting those and to have you consider these kinds of things. So so that's definitely a process, especially with the kids being where they are, the girls coming into puberty now, hormones are coming in. And so them not even aware of what's happening with their bodies and their emotions. Shauna and I see it. I'm like, oh, we know what's happening. <laughs> we know what's and happening. And Shauna warns me. She says, she says, get ready, Tyler. And like, then see, me and Silas are going to hit the road for a week. Yeah. <laughs> a week, a month, uh, growing up through the teenage That's years. That's hilarious. Go golfing, Silas. Let's go to his house. <laughs> <laughs> I've always thought about that because I grew up in only an only child, so I never really... I, I always saw what other people dealt with with siblings, but I always imagined that I would just hate my siblings. But that's because I look at what I have now, and if they got any part of what I got, I would hate them for taking it away from me. Because I've only, you know, it's all I've ever known. All about you, man. That's right. Um, but it's it's something where I can I can relate to Silas in a in a I guess a far off sense in that I it got on my nerves that I didn't have sisters to get on my nerves which is the weirdest thing to be angry at. Um, but it, 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 it's something where I joke about it, where I'm, I'm happy to be an only child. It is awesome. And I, I definitely see how my upbringing was unique and fun and, and, and all of that. But the relationship that siblings can have when it's positive, that's a powerful relationship to have in a, in a family. You know, your parents eventually go and then it's just you and whoever else is around you. When you're an only child and your parents go, it's just you. Sure. So that's kind of scary. You know, when, when your parents go and that. it's you and your siblings, there's still an unconditional love aspect that you still have access to if, if you've cultivated that relationship. I think that's so cool. Um, and I, it sounds like you guys are putting together, who knows after the hormones rage, but um, sure. you're putting together something where when you guys are moved on, uh, those four will still be tight enough to carry on the, the purpose name successfully. And Shauna and I look at our own siblings. Shauna has just one sister, and they have a great relationship, and it's grown better over the, um, actually since her she got married and her and her husband have had a couple of kids because I think there's a lot more equilibrium on the lives that they share now with raising kids. Yeah. And so, um, so there's that aspect. But then me, I got a younger brother, two older sisters, and every year we get together at Christmas time for a few days, all, all um, 24 of us, including the entire family. So we were at my sister and her husband's house, and my parents left early, and the eight of us were just talking it up. And I thought, well, this is neat that we're all in our 30s and beyond, and here we are um, raising kids, and we're just, we just still have these relationships. Of course, we don't talk and connect nearly as often as we would like to, and we all express that. Right. But I think it's neat because you hear all these horror stories of families hating one another and not talking to one another for, for sometimes petty, sometimes... Uh, serious reasons, but uh, but just the room we have um, for one another, and then the relationships that we still have. Yeah, it's valuable, dude. I couldn't agree more. Um, I have some rapid fire questions and comments that I, I just curious to see what your opinions on, or if you got something that might surprise me today. So are these one word answers? They can be. Okay. However you want to answer it. I just want to give you like five minute definition or response to each one of them. I mean, I'll just say, Tyler, shut up. We got to wrap it up. Um, but no, it's it's the none of these are look too crazy. Bring it on. But I'm just curious and they're fun. So don't stress. I'll close my eyes as you say it. <clears throat> That's weird. Um, uh, worst food you ever ate? Old cheese from a spray can that was expired and I found that out only after I put it in my mouth. Okay, so we can't just skip over that. Um <laughs> You can. That's, old, that says enough for me. Old cheese in a spray. How, how, so you grabbed it from the fridge? No. So in our church, we used to hang out Sunday afternoons, and I was like 12 or 13. There was a dollar theater across the street. So after Sunday morning service, me and my friends would often go there. My parents would give me five bucks. So a dollar for the movie, four dollars for Taco Bell or whatever. Maybe they gave me three dollars. Okay. But after the movie, we'd have a couple hours to kill before our evening service would start at six. And so the church at the time had a big open area in the back that had random stuff. So they would let us goof around back there. And we do all kinds of fun stuff. Nothing wrong or bad, just just fun 12-year-old stuff. Yeah. There's an old can of cheese spray. And I was like, hmm. <laughs> I wonder how this tastes. I wonder so how this I, I, didn't, I didn't put it in my hand first. I just put it in yeah. my mouth. And it was, oh, it was horrendous. That's hilarious. <laughs> Most inappropriate fart. I don't know. 
You never had one. I can think of ones where I was at my my graduate orientation for University of Colorado Denver Political Science, and there was like 200 new graduate students in there, and I let a real ripper come out in that. And Were you I, trying to hold it back? I was trying to let some air out of the balloon, if you know what I'm saying. And I ended up just squeezing the balloon empty, and everybody looked back at me, and I thought, this was just, I screwed up. I'm sorry, guys. You know, I, you, you didn't pull one of those where you look weird at the person next to you, like you came from them. Well, when the two people on your sides are looking at you, who do you look at? You, you look know back I mean? at one of them, like they did. So there's some confusion. <laughs> no, they. I'm pretty sure every they they triangulated the sound and it got all the way back to me, and everybody found out it. Was yeah, me. nothing stands out. Sorry, that's funny. Uh, uh, longest time waiting in line. I hate lines. That's why I asked this. I hate lines, and every time I think about it, I know when I hated it the most. That doesn't register in my mind. Here, here's my thought. And if I ever have to wait, and this is like lame, and I don't try to be all super spiritual over the top, but I've tried to cultivate the mentality that anytime I have to wait, I think this is a great opportunity to exercise patience. Oh my gosh. Would you cut it out with all that? Yeah, exactly. See, I thought you or any of the three people who hear this might respond yes, that that's way. that's but, but that is, patience. But, 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 it's, but is, is it not the right thing to do? Is it? I don't think it is because I'm not a doctor. Depends what you're waiting for. I'm not a doctor. I mean, if I'm dying, I'm like, I'm going to be patient for the doctor to come to me or whatever. Obviously, there's an emergency at times. I'm going to die. Ever been in a fight? Uh, I never got hit in the face before. Were you like doing body blows or something like that? Yeah, my brother and I, we we would get in fights. Um, We never hit each other in the face. That's nice. I I did give him a jab accident one time in the car. I was getting my nose. (laughs) Right in the nose. I felt kind of bad about it afterwards. Um, In high school, I was always kind of a tall guy laid back, so I don't really have any issues. There was some of those wannabe fights a few times where sure. you just push one another, hoping that the other person didn't actually want to fight you, right, right. and people broke it up, and as you're tough talking it, you're like, whoa, I'm glad that he didn't fight me. You want to go, bro? You want to go? Hold me back, dog. Hold me back. And you're just like, all right, but seriously, though, hold me back. Like, this is right. terrifying. <laughs> exactly. I know. Let me go. Let me go. Yeah. Uh, uh, oh, crap. Hold me back. Hold yeah. me back. <laughs> Uh, all right, this is the last, very last one. Tyler, thank you so much for being on this first episode of the podcast. My pleasure. I hope this takes off and billions hear it. Yeah. And you become rich and famous. It's not even more. intended for an audience of billions. Like, my, my audience segment is about 5,500 people. Brush, Colorado. <laughs> yeah, that's Population. Pretty, might that's expand pretty through the county, 28,000. I can see it doing that at some point. I, I really want to hone in on Brush, though. So, so you have, I think, such a positive relationship with people because of your uh because of your personality that i think when you put this out there enough people simply like you that they'd be curious now the difference maker is going to be how well you edit this to see if they're engaged after about three minutes yeah i agree with good that. luck yeah no I, I mean i think we talked about really fun stuff i i it's also too is um i've always wanted to know and i and this is just you know riffing for a second but the people who run your life uh, politically are just like down the street. You know what I mean? Um, sure. They're counselors, they're directors, they're employees for the city or the town or whatever you live in. And oftentimes the only way you can really interact with them is go to their meetings, which in my opinion, you don't really get to know who they are. You get to see how they work um, or, or go to their office and bug them. And, and as much as I think that that's valuable, you're really only getting snippets of who these people are. And what this podcast, I think, can try and do is beyond radio segments or just random Facebook posts is just show what people are like as a conversationalist for an hour who just want to riff on funny stuff or talk about their lives and get to know the people who, who are doing the work to, to allow all of us to enjoy this beautiful town. That's, sure. that's really what it's focused on. Um, but this, this last one, I'm really hoping you pull out the stops for this because I, I, I put it last for a reason. Uh, do you have a secret or a weird talent? That's it. I thought it was going to be brush related. No, your the brush related portion is the person. I get it. There he is, beating around the brush because well, I'm talking I, to different people. I understand that. Okay, fair enough. So but secret, secret or weird talent? Like uh, as an example. Oh yeah, yeah, I got two of them. Oh, okay, beautiful. But I, I think all right. So this one isn't as cool as the other one. I think so. This one is just a little whistle. I saw someone do it. I learned to do it. When oh I was my a god! Kid. Get away from the mic before you. <laughs> So I'm cupping my knuckles over my mouth yeah, yeah. and uh, cupping my knuckles, cupping, cupping my hands, hands together. I'm cupping my knuckles. There's a little opening between my thumbs that my lips are over my... Nope, right. not working my for me. My lips are over my knuckles, but a little bit of air escapes back toward my chin. Okay. So anyway, that. Can you make a train whistle like that? Hey, look at that. All right. Great. 
So then the other one, I'll give you the background on it first. So back when uh, I think episode one came out of Star Wars. Okay. They had people calling into this radio station in Denver. Maybe it was episode two. And I was in college at the time. And they were having people call in and do Star Wars impersonations to win free tickets. Oh, my gosh. And so everybody's doing Yoda, right? And, and so they're doing that typical. And so, so one guy comes on and does Chewbacca. Okay. I was like, that is awesome. I was like, what if I could do that? And so I learned how to do it after a short amount of time. So I can do, I think, a pretty good Chewbacca, I've been told. Uh, please regale us with your Chewbacca. <laughs> That's Tyler, thank you so much for ending on the Wookiee growl. That was phenomenal. <laughs> That's exactly what this needed. So just just for housekeeping stuff, gang, uh, we're going to do monthly releases. Tyler's going to be our first release. And if you stuck through all the way till the end, you got to hear him growl through uh, or make a Wookiee growl and learn all this great stuff about Tyler, who, who dedicated a lot of time to the city of Brush and Morgan enjoyed County it. as a whole. Yeah, I and, enjoyed it. And, and he enjoys it, he says. It's been a great day. I agree. Thanks for joining me, Tyler. Well, we're going to sign off. Do you have anything, last thoughts, last anything? Um. Put your faith in Jesus Christ. There you go. I wouldn't expect anything less from you. Mm-hmm.